Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Try as I may, I could never explain what I hear when you don't Everyone and welcome to Intersections Matches Talk Radio, a show for people who resonate with Mahatma Gandhi's quote, learn like you're going to live forever, live like you're going to die tomorrow. This is Jess Bina, your host and the founder of Intersections Match, a global personalized matchmaking and coaching company for successful and commitment-minded singles. So I have the privilege of working with some of the highest achieving men and women in the world, And guess what one of the most common physical attributes both genders seek is? If you guessed a fit and healthy body, you'd be right. So I'm very excited to welcome to today's show, Bonnie Giller, a registered and certified dietitian, author, and certified intuitive eating counselor, who has worked in medical nutrition therapy and counseling for over 32 years and helps people live a life of guilt-free eating without any yo-yo dieting while maintaining a body they can be proud of. Welcome, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you on. We're going to jump in to learn more here. So let's start with this. So why do so many people get stuck on the giant roller coaster and enmeshed in yo-yo dieting? Such a great question. Seriously, I see this every day, people coming to see me, calling me, having tried yet another diet, and they just don't work. And it does seem that every other day, there's this new diet craze that hits the market, right? Like, oh, this is the one that's going to work for me. I mean, that's, and I think if we just stop for a minute and we realize most people do know better, they know that, okay, I did one diet, doesn't work. I did two diets, it doesn't work, but they keep going back for more. And I think the, the, the answer lies in the fact that it's quick and they're getting promises that are really tempting to them, right? So, you know, hey, quick mm-hmm. and easy weight loss, it's appealing, right? It's appealing. And sure. so there are lots of sensational claims out there. And so people fall for it. I mean, you know, lose 30 pounds in 30 days, or I've seen ads, you know, drop a dress size in a weekend, new diet, what is that one? New diet melts away flab, something like this, right? So there's all yeah. these types of advertisements. It sucks people into this, what might seem like a miracle, or this is what they've been looking for. And they're going to say, I'm going to try it. And what we know, and we see see is that short term, yes, if they're a good quote unquote, I'm using my air quotes, if they're a good follower 
well, maybe they will lose the weight. But the, the, the long-term fact is that they don't keep it off because we know from the research is that 95 to 97% of the people who lose weight on a diet do regain that weight within one to five years. And the small percentage that keep it off often do so with disordered eating behaviors. So they're not really living their life at peace with food because they're so um, worried about how will this, what I eat, affect my body. So people, you know, they, they, they get stuck. It's like the diets have a spell over them. And they just keep going back mm. for more. So it's really important to figure out, like, how can I break that spell from the diets? Okay. Well, let's start with some of the... So what, what actually causes food cravings to begin with? Okay. So, so with food cravings, there's a couple of things that I could really address in regards to that. You know, if people are chronic dieters, then most of the time they're eliminating major food groups. They're eliminating certain nutrients. For example, you know, the, the diet industry likes to demonize carbs. Well, carbs happen to be the main energy source for the body. But when people want to go on a diet, they want to lose weight and they say, I can't have carbs, I can't eat bread, etc. What ends up happening at the end of the day, they're deficient in a lot of nutrients, specifically carbs, which is what their body needs. So then their body, it's like most of the time people will say, I am so quote unquote good during the day, but come the nighttime, forget it. You know, I have such strong cravings. And often that's coming from that physiological need that's your body is saying, hey, listen, I didn't get enough energy throughout the course of the day. I need some quick energy. Where do we get quick energy from? sugary, fatty foods, sweets, right? That's um, why, mm -hmm. you know, one of the big reasons people say that, oh, I have these cravings at night and then forget it. Once I have one, I have all. The other piece of it is that, you know, uh, stress plays a, a big role in this. So what we know about stress is stress releases cortisol, one of the main stress hormones. And cortisol, mm -hmm. in fact, increases our cravings for sugary, high-fat foods. Now, these are what we would call comfort foods, right? So we eat these mm -hmm. comfort foods, and when we eat sugary foods, so our body starts to release insulin because our blood sugars are going up, so insulin has to start to bring those levels down. So as insulin mm -hmm. rises, it's a very interesting thing happens. When insulin rises, so does serotonin, the feel-good hormone. And so it's like, oh, wow, I eat this and I feel great. But then the issue happens, what? When, when your blood sugars go up, then they come down. So oftentimes with that surge of insulin, especially if you're eating a lot or you're binging on these sugary foods, you're getting a lot of insulin shooting out, now all of a sudden your blood sugars drop. And now you're not in a happy place. And when you're not in a happy place, all of a sudden you're looking for more sugary foods. And that creates this cycle of eat, repeat, right? So there's... Mm -hmm. The fact that if you're a chronic dieter and you're not necessarily eating sufficiently or enough of the right nutrients and carbs throughout the day, your body is saying, hey, I need quick energy and you're having these cravings. Um, but it can also come from that, um, from emotions or from stress. Uh, emotions and stress. So tell me this. I know that you work in intuitive eating. So will you tell me what, what do you even mean by that term intuitive eating? And then how is it different from a diet? Oh, goodness, so different. So it's actually the solution to not dieting anymore. So let me explain. Intuitive eating is a self-care eating framework. And basically, to, to keep it really simple, it's eating based on your physiological need to eat. So your hunger and fullness signals, not 
situations that you find yourself in and not emotional. So emotional triggers, no, you're eating for physical, not emotional. You're eating for physical, not situational reasons. And so we're all born intuitive eaters. If you've ever seen a baby, when a baby cries, oh, that's a hunger cry, you give the baby to eat. And then the baby pushes away, breast or bottle. And if the mom honors that, then that baby is able to start to trust the signals it's getting. But sometimes well-meaning parents, and and mind you, I was one of those myself, a well-meaning young mom, who when the baby stopped, I was like, oh no, there's still some formula in the bottle. This is not enough. And then you try to continue to feed the child, right? So we're all born intuitive eaters, but people get so wrapped up in all the dieting that they start listening to people or or recommendations and rules outside of their body, and they start to lose the trust in their inner wisdom. And so intuitive eating is a journey, or, or if you're a chronic dieter, the goal is to not diet, it's to come back to the way you were born, your birthright of having body trust and being an intuitive eater. Oh, right. And I know you mentioned in there, right, when we don't have that, we, there's emotional eating that can occur. So tell me, what what is emotional eating? Yes, emotional eating is definitely an issue that I see quite a bit. So basically, it's eating for reasons other than hunger. So you're not okay. busy, you're not physical, physically hungry, you're emotionally hungry. So you're trying to often fill a void that you have in your life. So maybe emotional eating is, is you're using food to cope, you're using food to numb yourself from a situation. Maybe you don't want to feel a difficult feeling, emotion, a thought, and so you're using food. And it often is born out of an unmet need. Now, that could be a physical need. So let's say you're really tired, you're fatigued, or it could be an emotional need. Maybe you're sad, maybe you're lonely. And in my experience, for many, food is love, food is comfort, food is reward. Maybe food is even the only reliable friend that they have that won't let them down, right? So emotional eating, it's not a component of what I call biological hunger, which is physical hunger, right? It's instead Mm -hmm. emotional hunger. So you're longing for something, you have a void in your life, and you're trying to fill it with food. That's, you know, pretty much what emotional eating is. Oftentimes, you know, people are living in a difficult situation, they have trauma from the past, whatever it might be, and they've used food to numb themselves. So they're not feeling those feelings. They're not, um, they're like escaping their life, if you will. Now, I understand in terms of emotional eating, there are actually five different types of emotional leaders. Now, can you tell us what those five different types are and, and how can you tell which type you are? So I've identified in my years of working with chronic dieters and emotional eaters, I've identified five different emotional eating archetypes. Um, so okay. the first one, I'll go through them with you so you have an idea. The first one is the stress eater. And some of the triggers for the stress eater would be obviously stress, um, anxiety, overwhelm, yeah. anger, even frustration. Um, then you have the social eater, 
So the triggers for a social leader are often the desire to be connected. Um, you know, they're in a group. They don't want to seem like the only one not eating. They want to be the cool person, you know, so they're going to eat to be connected. Maybe even just to add fun or excitement into their life. So maybe, you know, life's not so exciting, so I'm going to bring excitement into my life with food. Um, they want to be a joiner. So that's the social leader. And then the escape eater is the third one, and that stressy uh, that type of um, escape eater is often triggered by boredom. People often don't think boredom is an emotion, but it it actually is the most sudden subtle form of emotional eating. And it may not seem like it's charged with a lot of emotions, but the end result is the same. And that's usually overeating or binge, binge eating. Um, so we've got boredom, procrastination, we've got reward, uh, distraction, or someone who wants to avoid confrontation. So these are all some of the triggers of the escape eater. And then we okay. have the comfort eater. And those triggers would be like, you know, I need to be soothed or loved. Maybe you're lonely, you're sad, you're hurt. And finally, the happy eater. And, you know, the happy eater, it's mostly around celebration. Like when, when people talk and think about emotional eating, they're usually thinking of more negative emotions or feelings, but actually positive yeah. as well, the happy eater, right? Every celebration you're eating, so to speak, or the moment you have you have a win, it's like let's celebrate with and you fill in the blank, right? So that's those are the five different types of emotional eaters that I've um that I've worked with and you know how do you tell I mean I do have a um an assessment form that I provide for my clients and we really look through and we dig deep into the reasons why you're eating answer they answer some questions and then we can see what type of um emotional eater you are maybe even more than one sometimes they overlap which is okay but we need to know that in order to know how to work towards um strategizing strategizing now so the idea then would be if once you can identify you can you can really custom tailor a strategy to address it would that be right is that 100 uh, percent. yes that is so cool. oh my yes wonderful See? so then okay so we have the stress social escape uh comfort and happiness so for all of these five different archetypes, what can you give us? I, I'm sure you have many tools and strategies. Just give us maybe one, one or so for each for each one of these. Once someone can identify which type of emotional mm-hmm. eater they are, what's one strategy or, or tool they can use to to start to address it? Right. Yes, you're right. There's a big toolbox, and what what is so important is to understand no two people are the same. And so um, customizing the strategy for the emotional eating archetype or the trigger is key. So I will give you some examples. So I said, uh, the first one I think I said was the stress eater, right? One of Mm -hmm. the best tools that I find, even for myself when I feel stressed, right? So I don't turn to food, and that's deep breathing. And deep breathing really brings you out of fight or flight into rest and digest. And it's very, very effective. Um, so that would be the stress eater. So um, the social eater, you're feeling like, you know, you want to be connected. The idea would be to stop and think, okay, what are some other ways that I can connect with people? Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I've always wanted to take um, uh, tap dance or ballroom dancing. I'm going to take a, a, a class, you know, I'll, I'll join a dance class, um, for example, right? So what are some other things that could bring excitement into your life um, and connect you with people? 
and then the escape eater. So there's lots of different triggers for the escape eater. It would be really important to then drill that down further to see what Mm -hmm. your primary triggers are as an escape eater. But for example, we had said boredom would be one way, right? You're escaping from boredom. Um, So I like to recommend getting creative, whether it's drawing or painting or doing puzzles. Now everyone, you know, is into puzzles now, right? So, um, or there are adult coloring books, which are so therapeutic. They're wonderful. Um, I think ultimately with the escape eater, a lot of um, the triggers have to do with sadness or avoiding confrontation or maybe deep-seated issues that are causing unhappiness, even from the past. And so I think for so many people, the, the key is not to always distract from those feelings, but to learn how to feel the feelings. You know, if you don't feel it, you don't heal it, mm. is what we say. And so really mm-hmm. learning to feel the feelings, where are they coming up in your body, riding the wave of the feeling is a very important tool to learn how to do um, for all of these types of ar- uh, emotionally eating archetypes, but especially the escape eater, um, the comfort eater, right? So, oh, I need to be soothed or love. I'm a little sad. There are so many different things that you can do. Uh, personally, I like to wrap myself in my cozy blanket and sit on the corner of the couch, maybe drink a warm cup of herbal tea, maybe cuddle with a pet if you have one, right? Um, And then Mm -hmm. finally, the happy eater. So, you know, I'm not going to say that there are, I mean, there are, of course, celebrations, you know, it's it's a birthday, let's have a birthday cake, there's nothing wrong with that. The idea with any of these emotional eating um, types or triggers is if food is your first and only thing you think of when you have a particular emotion or a feeling, that's when it could become destructive. Um, So if your connection with everything happy is always food, maybe stop and make a gratitude list. Like, what am I really grateful for? So so that I could really, you know, bring joy into my life that way without food. Um, But there are so many more, obviously, things, but those are just hopefully can give you somewhat of an idea. Wonderful. Very, very helpful. So now for all of the emotional use, I understand that you have a you have a three-step plan to, to break free from emotional eating. Tell, tell us about those three steps. Oh, sure. I'm really into step-by-step processes and one step building on the next. I think people learn best that way. So step one is to identify your emotional eating archetype and then drill down and go further to identify the emotional eating triggers. So that's the first step. And then the second step is to customize the strategy. So now that you know your archetype, now that you know the particular triggers, and again, the archetypes can overlap. You can be more than one. You can have like a slew of different triggers and that's okay. There's no right, there's no wrong, there's no good, there's no bad. We don't use that language when we're, you know, when we're, we're doing intuitive eating and, and working on emotional eating. Um, and then we figure out, okay, so what strategy would match my trigger. I'll give you a little example. So if you are, um, if one of your, your, your triggers is fatigue and exhaustion, right? You come home from a long day of work, you're exhausted and you automatically head to the kitchen and you're just picking on it on anything that's there. Well, your strategy wouldn't be, I'm going to go on the treadmill for 30 minutes. 
that would not be that would not make sense. You're exhausted, right? That would make sense. So mm-hmm. it's really understanding what my trigger is, and then what strategy is going to work. Now, part of the customized strategies, which is step two, is really learning how to feel the feelings. It's learning how to be uncomfortable with the feelings and learning how to nurture yourself. So that's all part of step two. And then step three is almost maybe I should say one of my favorite steps, although they are all my favorite, but it's maybe my favorite because it's an, it's it's called use food as your as your ally. And I say that because most people, okay, so let me step back and actually say, in my experience, and I do think some of the data shows this, many, if not most emotional eaters happen to be chronic dieters whether they dieted in the past, so they're dieting currently, and most dieters are emotional eaters. Now, there are, true, there are people who might be emotionally eating and never have dieted. True, there definitely are. But for the most part, many, many people have tried to um, conquer, if you will, their emotional eating by running away from food, by setting up rules, by saying, I can't eat this and I can't eat that. They put conditions on their food, and that always Mm -hmm. backfires. And they think now food is my enemy. But instead, if we turn that around a little bit and we say, no, food is not my enemy. Food is my ally because food can actually help me manage my emotions, my cravings, and my moods. Then you see it a whole lot differently. And so step three is understanding how food can be your ally in managing your cravings. I can give you an example if you would like. Sure. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's you know, it's truly fascinating. The first way that food can be your ally is through your brain chemicals. Because we know that our brain produces certain chemicals that regulates our mood. For example, serotonin, which I mentioned a few moments ago. Serotonin is a feel-good hormone, right? It makes us feel happy and positive and calm and, and just confident. And proper nutrition can stimulate the release of serotonin. And so really figuring out and understanding, okay, how can I eat that balances my brain chemicals so that I'm not emotional or I'm not feeling depressed and I'm decreasing my, you know, my uh, my cravings. I'm regulating my mood. That's amazing, right? So food can be your ally. So I, there are three, actually three different ways where food can be your ally, and and that's what I teach when I work with people to end emotional eating. So we really turn around their mindset around food, and it's not my enemy. I don't have to set rules up that I can't eat this, I can't eat that, but I can actually use food to help me manage my emotions. That is fascinating. Now, so there's three different ways that food can be your ally, and one would be to balance the brain chemicals. What what would the other two be then? Uh, Blood sugar regulation, because we know low blood sugar increases our hunger and our cravings. And so it's learning how to balance your meals so that you're balancing your blood sugars. Because we know that research shows that blood sugar levels play a role in hunger level and food cravings. There was a really interesting study, actually, that showed that when our blood sugar level is within target range, there's about a 15% chance that you'll have a food craving. Okay. But when your blood sugars drop, that chance of food craving actually increases to 65%. So it's a very big drop. So that's the second way, really helping people to understand how to regulate blood sugar levels through food. 
And then the third way food is your ally to helping you end emotions or manage emotionally manage your emotions would be through eating a variety of foods. Because as I mentioned a moment ago, there's that psychological component to over emotional eating and binge eating, especially people who have been on diets because they eat a monotonous diet. So I don't know if you or your listeners uh, are chronic dieters or not, but it's as someone who has likely been a a dieter on and off, then generally the diets are very, very restrictive. They're monotonous. There's minimal variety. And that's actually worked against people when they wanted to overcome emotional eating because it that restriction leads to what we call deprivation backlash. So you deprive yourself of something you really want, and that increases your desire for the food. That's your you know, increased cravings there, right? And then sure. e- eventually that deprivation is so powerful that, okay, that's it, I'm going to have it. And you end up you know, overeating or binge eating on that food. We call that actually rebound eating. And so really my big message is we've got to get the dieting out, the restriction out, the guilt, the shame, the judgment, all out of the way so we can really Mm -hmm. learn how to eat the food we love. And that's going to give us the energy. It's going to give us the zest for life, you know, the vitality, right, that we really want. So that's really why I want people to understand that diets don't work. Food can be your ally to ending emotional eating and achieving the body you want by learning to trust your inner wisdom again through the process of intuitive eating. Uh, Very helpful. Now, I imagine that the COVID-19 environment and the related stressors can make it particularly difficult for people who struggle with emotional eating. Are are you seeing emotional eating on the rise these days? Oh, yes. Even covid Yes, absolutely. I've gotten many calls from many people and, um, you know, people are definitely um, really struggling with emotions. It's We're living in unprecedented times. And so mm-hmm. even if somebody had been a past emotional eater and they had strategies to really work through emotions, but now they're finding themselves emotionally eating again, that's understandable. I want people to know that that's okay. You know, that's really understandable because this is something we've never lived through before. So we haven't had a chance to create strategies. So it's something that we have yeah. to think about, right? It's something totally new. Right. New, so possibly needing these strategies then. Um, very, very interesting. So the other. Are there any final key takeaways you'd like to leave our listeners with today? I would like to share that if somebody is turning to food more often these days, that Mm -hmm. they use self-compassion and they're kind to themselves and they're not beating themselves up because so many people beat themselves up. I shouldn't do this. I can't believe it. I'm a failure. And that is not not the case at all. It's understandable. But you can end the emotional eating. You can learn to feel the feelings. There are other ways that will serve you better, but you want to always be compassionate with yourself. That's really important. Um, And then as as far as those who might be, you know, struggling with their body, with their weight, trying diet after diet, that maybe think about making a commitment to not dieting again. Let go of that dieting because when you let go of the dieting, you let go of that deprivation, restriction, deprivation, dieting cycle that happens. And then you are giving yourself 
the space to really learn how to trust your body and trust yourself around food again and become the intuitive eater just like you were born. And I believe everybody can do it. I understand that it's a little scary sometimes for people who have been dieting for so long, but it's truly, truly going to bring freedom um, from you know, battling with food and will will bring peace with food and their bodies. Thanks, Bonnie. I really appreciate your sharing your valuable insights with us. They have been fascinating um, and I really believe they're going to help. How can our listeners learn more about you and connect with you? Sure. I am, my website is dietfreeradiantme.com. I have lots of blogs and videos and free resources there for people if they'd like to start to look more into ending emotional eating and what is intuitive eating. And I am also on Instagram as Bonnie R. Giller and Facebook. So you can find me on all social media channels. But my main website for this type of work is dietfreeradiantme.com. Excellent. And for our listeners, in case you joined us late, or would like to share this show with people in your life. I'd like to remind you that today's radio show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Match's website, which is intersectionsmatch.com. And I appreciate your learning with us. Be well, everyone. Try as I may, I could never explain what I hear when you don't. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.